Acts chapter 26, if you have your Bibles. I feel a deep burden in my heart this morning. I don't have a, a fresh revelation from the Lord, but I do have a word from the Lord. And I hope that you will open your heart to that word this morning. It has been um, one of those kind of messages that kind of keeps you up all night. And so I just pray that God will give me the wisdom and the ability to deliver that word. Acts chapter 26, and I am going to begin reading in the middle of a discourse that took place concerning the Apostle Paul uh, as he journeyed toward Rome, toward the end of his ministry. And before Festus, and then Festus sent him to Agrippa, and Agrippa was curious as to what this man had to say and the message that he preached. And so Paul, can, he testifies to Agrippa of his conversion experience. I believe everybody ought to be able to tell somebody else when it happened in your life. I need to say that again. I believe everybody ought to be able to tell. You ought to know the day and the hour and you ought to be able to tell somebody the day it happened in your life. And so Paul was recounting the events that had happened. How in his journey to the city of Damascus with authority and commission to do mischief to the church, at midday he saw a light from heaven and there was a brightness of the sun that shone upon him and it caused him to fall to the earth. I don't know whether he was walking or riding. Whatever the case, the Bible said he fell to the earth. Now if he was riding, that had to be quite a jolt when he hit the ground. But I don't really think Paul was even, or Saul as we knew him at that moment, even recognized that he was too uh, caught up in the event of all that was happening and out of the darkness and out of the light uh, out of the mystery of that moment the voice spoke to him and the conversation that ensued God spoke to him and gave him clear direction not only for his life but his future and I'm going to pick up at verse number 19 and I'm going to read what Paul said as he concluded his story or his uh, the, the expression of what had happened to him, all that had transpired. And he said to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God and for your worship today. And as you're seated, would you one more time put your hands together and let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. We are introduced to Him in the beginning. As a moving God. Genesis 1 and 1. Describes to us. 
the chaos, the darkness that covered the face of the earth. And God moved. And He moved in such a way that the chaos and the mass of confusion and the darkness yielded to His presence and to the power of His presence. And so begins the order of creation. Next we see Him in that book of beginnings as a God who speaks. A speaking God. A creative God who with the mere opening of His mouth and speaking of words can bring into existence out of the chaos, out of the darkness. He can speak order and not only order, but He speaks light and darkness and separation and the land and the trees. And through a process of time, God speaking in that creative beginning brought into existence what we now enjoy as this wonderful world. We see Him at His best in that creative power and the genius of His Word when He said, let there be. And when God says, let there be, there will be. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that I serve a God this morning that's powerful enough to back up His Word. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that I didn't have to come to a shrine this morning and beg and plead and, and do all that people do in the earth to try to gain God's attention. I'm thankful that it just the mention of His Word, just God to speak into this building, something's going to happen. Something is going to transpire because of the power of His spoken Word. This creative God who, with the genius of His Word, spoke a world into existence. We now see Him as a God who is involved in His creation. Not only did He create, but He became involved. The Bible said that He visited with man in the cool of the day. He was not content to just create and leave it to itself. But God enmeshed Himself in His creation and daily spoke to them. If you read Genesis chapter 2, you will find that God gave to Adam and Eve certain rules and guidelines to direct their life in the Garden of Eden. And He gave them commands speaking into their life words that would make a difference not only in their present situation, but in their future happiness. But it is not long until this creative God, this powerfully speaking God, this moving presence is seen in another form. He is now seen as a seeking God. He comes to the garden looking for man. Man has gone astray. Man has faltered in his steps. Man has made a mistake and now we see Him at His best. You might think God is at His best when He creates worlds. 
You may think God is at his best when he speaks and stars come into existence and moons and planets find their orbit. But I will tell you this morning unequivocally that God is at his best when he is seeking man and when he is after you and I. That is when you see God at his very best. Here he is seeking man, trying to turn him to a right way again, trying to right a life that had gone wrong, trying to turn a life that had slipped off of course. And the Bible said simply that he came and he called unto Adam. Adam, where art thou? When you read that verse of Scripture, you might think that God is not as powerful as we say he is because he's having to ask where Adam is at. Oh, my friend, you misunderstand the story. He was not asking Adam where he was so he could know where he was. He knew where Adam was. He was asking Adam where he was so Adam could find where he was. And that's the way God is. When he speaks into our life and he comes with those inquisitive questions, it's not that he doesn't know. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He is the first and the last. He is Alpha and Omega when he asks a question. He's not asking for his benefit. He's asking for your benefit. And he said, where art thou, Adam? And so begins the long story of redemption. And so as we walk through the pages of Scripture and we see this creative God, this powerfully speaking God, this God whose mere presence can move uh, earth and mass and separate light and darkness. This God who is so powerful that at His august presence, uh, stars appear and begin to twinkle and they begin to shine in the night season. This God who came looking for fallen man. It is no strange thing that we read in the book of Acts of what happened to a man by the name of Saul who was on his way to wreak havoc on a church that had been born in an upper room and a spiritual outpouring that had come to the world and he was trying to put it out. He was trying to stop the spread of this thing that he considered to be a cancer and heresy. And while he was on the road to Damascus, a light shines out of heaven. And that light was so powerful and it was so mighty that it struck him to his knees and he fell to the ground. And the Bible said when he got up, he could not see. He was blind. Even those around him, they didn't see a presence, but they heard a voice speaking. And God spoke to him out of heaven and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against the pricks? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And there was a voice that came back clearly stating, I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. Here is a moment of truth for Saul. A light shines and strikes him to the ground. And God begins to speak to him. And God reveals some things to him 
The first thing that God reveals is who He is. I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. I'm the one that you're up against. I'm the one that you're fighting. But the next revelation to me was as important as the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ's purpose in the life of this man named Saul. And somewhere in the darkness of that moment, while he was blinded to the world, God opened to him another world. And he saw a life that God had created, a life that God had designed, a life that God had crafted, and it was his life. It was his life. And God began to show him the things that he had designed for him. He began to show him his plan. He showed this man his purpose. He showed him his power. He showed him what he envisioned him to be. He showed him what he planned for him to become. He revealed to him in that vision a Paul, a man mighty in the word, a speaker who would turn the world upside down with his message and at that time he may have only been Saul of Tarsus but God was showing him something that he wanted to make him he was showing him something he wanted him to be and that vision captured Paul it captured Saul at that time it engulfed his life and the Bible said it so overpowered him. It so overwhelmed him that he was speechless. It was a decisive moment for Saul. His life, his future hung in the balance as that vision was shown him. What did God show Saul on the road to Damascus. I have no idea all the things that God showed him. I can only imagine. But what I do know is what Paul conveyed to us. The mission that God had for him. The plan that God had for him. The purpose that God had for him. And it was different than what he had been living. It was different than how he had been acting. And God said, Saul, I want to show you a better way to live. I I want to show you a higher plane of life. I want to show you a life that is in sync with God's purpose. I want to show you a life that has the blessing of God on it. And that's what Paul, that's what Saul, however you want to call him at that moment, that's what he saw. He saw what God envisioned. And it was a decisive moment in his life. It was a decisive moment in which his future hung. The voice that spoke from heaven. The voice that clearly called for his attention. Now demanded an answer. Now that voice demanded a response. How are you going to respond to this vision, Saul? How are you going to respond to this word that has come to your life? How are you going to respond to this moment? Are you going to yield? Are you going to say, yes, Lord? Are you going to get up and go do what I'm asking you to do? 
Are you going to resist me? Are you going to go against me? Are you going to continue to buck my will for your life? Are you going to continue to fight against me and be my enemy rather than my friend? Or are you going to ignore my word and pass it off as just some wild aberration of the mind? Are you going to pass it off as some fluky thing, a bad dream that comes after eating too much pizza or too much spaghetti on a Saturday night? Are you just going to pass it away as if it is nothing? Saul, what are you going to do with the vision that God has given you? What are you going to do with the word that God has spoken to your life? And now years have passed. And now Saul, who has become Paul, stands before the great King Agrippa. And he is recounting his story. He is to- he's going back through all that had happened. Telling this man what had happened to him. Recounting all the details of being stricken and blind and the voice and all the communication. And then he sums it all up by saying, and from that moment until now, I have not been disobedient to that vision. I have lived up to that vision. I have lived up to what God has called me to be. I have lived up to those things that God planned for my life. I want to ask you sitting here this morning, how many of you are really living up to the vision that God has put in your life? How many of us are actually living up to the calling that God has placed on our life? How many of us can stand beside the Apostle Paul and say with him, I have not been disobedient to that vision. I yielded to your touch. I said yes. Yes to you that day. And I've continued to say yes to you to this very day. How many of us this morning are living frustrated lives because we are not living up to our vision. We're not living up to what God spoke into our life when we knelt at an altar and we gave our life and God showed us what He wanted to do with our life. He showed us where He wanted to take us. And here we are. We're waddling around in the mess of life. We're playing in the shallows of life. We're content with mediocrity in our life. We're content with just being satisfied. We're content with just being what we are. When God says, this is what I would like to make you. This is what I'm calling you to. This is what I want you to become. This moment proved to be the pivotal point of his life. God gave him a charge that would influence him for the rest of his life. A charge that would change his direction. It would change his purpose. It would change his attitude. It would change his spirit. God had greater things for him. God said, I have greater plans for you, Paul. And Paul said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I endeavor to live up to that calling. I'm not content with just mediocrity. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. Can I tell you this morning that God still has plans for all of us. And He has a calling and a vision for every one of us. 
And I wonder how many of us are living up to our vision. How many of us this morning are actually living up to the calling that God has placed upon our life? How many of us sit here this morning aggravated about a lot of things in life, but when you trace the aggravation back, it always goes back to a moment, a moment of yielding, a moment of saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want your best. I want the best. You see, that's what God's all about anyway. He wants to bring the best into our life. And what God showed Saul on that road to Damascus that way was life at its very best. He said, Saul, if you want to really enjoy life, if you want to know what living is all about, I'm going to show you. And he showed him the panorama of life. He showed him a plan. He showed him a life that he could live and a life that he could enjoy that would be full of blessings and power and anointing and life-changing experiences. And he said, Saul, it's your opportunity. You get to choose how you respond to this vision. You get to choose how you respond. And from that moment, something so overpowered Paul. That visitation was so powerful. He said, I have endeavored every day to live up to that vision. To live up to that vision. The question that begs to be answered this morning is who of us this morning is really living up to our potential. Who of us is really living up to our potential? What are we doing with what we know of Jesus Christ? What are we doing with what we have seen and experienced in Him? I come to preach to some people this morning that you're not bad people, you're not wicked people, you're not sinful people. You, you don't carouse, but you're not, you're not living up to that level that God said you could live to either. You've allowed problems. You've allowed circumstances. You've allowed life to turn your attention from that higher calling. And you've allowed other things to become the focus. The work that Jesus wants to do in a person's life will always elevate their life. It will always make your life better. You hear me this morning. God will never do anything in your life that will take you down. It will always take you up. Amen. Amen. He will always elevate you. He will always improve your situation. Paul spoke of it as an upward calling. He said again in another verse of Scripture that we are to seek those things which are above. He said, I strive for the prize, the mark of the high calling. He said, I'm reaching for something beyond. I'm reaching for something because there's a vision. I saw something one day on the road to Damascus. I saw something that changed my life. I saw something that revolutionized my thinking. I saw something that changed my attitude. I got rid of my stinking thinking on that day, on that road to Damascus. I got rid of my anger and my bitterness. I got rid of all of that stuff that was 
was pent up inside of me because I caught a glimpse of something. I saw my life in a better place. I saw me in a better situation. I saw me a blessed man. I saw me an anointed person. I saw me a man doing the will and the work of God. And he said, ever since that day, I've been reaching. Oh, I've been reaching. And Agrippa, I can tell you without, without fear or favor that I have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision. You see, obedience really can revolutionize your life. Just saying yes to God can revolutionize your life. No matter, listen to me, no matter what your past is, it is possible in one swift act of surrender to break the chains and reverse whatever was previous in your life. By just saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I wonder how many of us are living up to our potential today. How many of us have a vision of God or a vision that God has given to us? Your life will be better when you yield to that purpose. Your life will be made better if you live up to that calling. His intent is to improve your life and to lift you. And there can be no room for low living low aims no 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 behind the light behind the voice behind the vision there is to be traced the hand of a personal god a god who speaks to us intimately and said hey son let me show you what i have planned for you let me show you what i've got in mind me and you can do together let me show you what i can do with your family let me show you what I can do with your future. Let me show you how I can help you. Let me show you how I can lift your life. And then he steps away and said, all right, it's your choice. You get to choose. You either live up to that or you just turn and walk away from it. Say, God, I, I don't know if I have time for all of that or not. I don't know if I have time for what you're talking about. Some people turn, some people throw it away, but God's desire for every one of us is to make our life better. And that was the purpose of the vision. You see, hours of vision in our life are usually times when we are exalted. In such moments, we breathe a heavenly atmosphere and we feel as though doing the right thing at that moment is certain and we will certainly do it. And the highest calls us. Something says you can do better than that. Something says you are better than that. God made you for something better than that. And that voice speaks and waits to see my response. We have a choice every day. Every day we are confronted by God's dealings. Every day they come to us. God calling. God speaking. God leading. God moving and will we or will we not yield ourselves to that touch? Whether it's a sermon or a prayer meeting or a song or perhaps a sickness or a death or trouble, whatever it is that causes you to be stirred out of your lethargy and realize, you know what? 
I'm living far below my privileges. God had something better in mind for me than the way that I'm living. It shakes us out of our complacency and it lifts us to a higher level of living. It was a man, young man driving down the road one day and something began to happen to his car and began to jump and jerk and soon it sputtered and died and he pulled it over to the side of the road and he got out, went up and opened the hood like a lot of people do to make it look like they know what they're doing (laughs) and started trying to work on it or at least act like he worked on it when all of a sudden up pulls a limousine and out steps a man in a beautiful clean black tuxedo and walks up to him and says son are you having some trouble out of your car he said yes sir I am he said well why don't you let me help you he looked at him in that fine tux and he said well what do you know about cars he said well I I know a few things he said you just go get in the car and when I tell you hit the starter you hit it and so the man took his coat off and laid it over on the fender and he started adjusting wires and pulling on things and pushing plug wires back in to make sure everything and after he had gone through a little process of things he finally told it he said hit the starter and the guy hit it and it cranked right up and the guy jumped out of the car and he said oh my my goodness sir what do i owe you he said you don't owe me anything he says well my you've got to at least tell me who you are so i can thank you he said oh my name is henry ford and that's one of my cars and he said i hate to see one of my creations broken down on the side of the road Can I tell you that that spirit that was in Henry Ford was in God from the very beginning? He said, I hate to see my creation broken down on the side of the road. I hate to see my creation living below their privileges. I hate to see people just going through, muddling through life, frustrated and aggravated, allowing family issues to stop them, letting dysfunctional families cause them to miss what God has, or a failed marriage, or personal failure, whatever it is that has happened that has sidetracked you. He said, I hate to see my creation broken down on the side of the road. And so he comes. He comes with that gentle voice. He comes with that sweet spirit. And He speaks into our life. And He said, here son, let me show you what I had planned for you. Let me show you where I want to take you. Let me show you what I can do with you if you'll let me. And you'll just live up to that vision. If you will live up to that vision. Can I tell you this morning that God never wants to see one of us broken down in life. He never wants to see one of us living below our privileges. He never wants to see one of us living less than our potential. I want to ask you this morning. I'm just being blunt, honest, and please forgive me. I've been accused of being mean sometimes when I preach and I don't... I hope I didn't come across that way. I feel very passionate about what I'm saying this morning. But I wonder how many of us would be honest this morning with ourselves. 
And if we know, if we know what God has spoken into our life in times past, if we know what we know about God, are we living up to that vision? Are we living up to that calling? Or have we gotten lost somewhere in all of the stuff, life? I, I thought about this last night. I thought, God, how, how do people, how do we get off track? How, how do we lose our focus? How do we lose that passion? How, how, how do we, we backslide? How, how do we get to that place where we, Nobody can touch us and nobody can move. How do we get there? God said life. Just life. Life. Just the burdens of life. The cares of life. The busyness of life. The pressures of life. Nothing wrong. Nothing sinful. Nothing wicked about it. Just life. Just life. I've been talking with a person and I've been listening to all their complaints and I've gotten all this stuff and I'm thinking... My God, I can't believe some of this. And I, I finally I'm thinking, you know what? We need to grow up. This is life. Some of this stuff that we're dealing with is just life. You, 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 it's just part of being in this fleshly body. And you're going to have to deal with that. So grow up. But the fact is life knocks us off course. Life more often than anything else is what causes our vision of that high calling to be lowered to a lesser plane. And we just get used to living. We just get, we just go through the routine and life becomes cold. Our spiritual life becomes stale. We, but we just keep going. You know, we, we, don't, we don't leave the church per se. We just come, but there's no fire. There's no passion. There's no real burden. There's no tears that flow anymore. There's no moving in my spirit that when, when, I, when God, it's just life. It just weighs down on us. And God sent me this morning to ask you, why not? Why not live up to that vision? Why not? Because it's a better life. It's a better life. It's a blessed life. It's going to take you places. Why not live up to that vision? I wrestled with this all night long. Lord, am I, am I living up to my potential? Am I living up to my calling? Or have I, like many others, become sidetracked in my well-doing? in my busyness. Let's stand together.